I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. Hey, Josh. Hey. What the hell you want to go and fuck around with that river for? <laughs> it's only the biggest river in the fucking state. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to Very Unreasonable Things. And today we are talking about deliverance. We are starting our Hillbilly Horror Trilogy. Yep. And... This is kind of a big one. Like, uh, un- un- not unopinions aside, I just made up a word. Unopinions? It's unopinions, cropulent. Not <laughs> uh, this is the best movie we've ever covered on this podcast. This was nominated for Best Picture. Oh, you're saying, okay, best movie based on... Awards, yeah, based on like critics' reception, uh, um, yeah, yeah, okay, I got you, I got you. This is a well, obviously, this is a, a classic from the 70s. This is uh, in one of my embarrassing blind spots, not like mine, too, yeah, like the comic book movie is like that's not embarrassing, that's a blind spot, like some of these 70s classics, but there's certain are, movies that. You're just kind of, especially if you say you like movies, you're expected to have seen. So, like, theoretically, we should have seen The Bridge and the River Kwai. But I haven't. I don't know if you have. No. Yeah. No. But, hey, Bone, it's not when you tell people you like movies that you should have seen it. When you actively have a fucking podcast dedicated to movies. Well, that's why we said mainly horror, action and B movies. Yeah. <laughs> that way we can get away with not having seen Lawrence of Arabia. That that movie I'm not as ashamed of not seeing. Uh but we I have could, seen Troll. Well. Wh- and Troll. Too. I didn't cover Troll. No, we haven't Troll. we haven't covered it. We were going to, but then uh because you Something fussed at happened. me, because yeah, you fussed at me because we didn't get to record that day, and you're like, "I'm not watching a goddamn movie again." Oh yeah, and I'm not gonna watch that goddamn movie again. I might watch it for Julia Louis Dreyfus. She looks like a snack in that movie, but uh, that's exactly what you said last time. Yeah, well, that's that's where she stands <laughs> for me. Whoops. So, why Deliverance? Well, you you picked this one. Um, I did not. Oh, did I you pick this? this one? Yeah, yeah this you, is you. you. You wanted uh, Teen Wolf Creek. Uh, yeah, I picked. this I like one my heart as sex appeal, as you should. I mean, I if I'm not masturbating during the movie, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, um, I picked this. I guess as a reason, I didn't need a reason to watch it, but I this was in my blonde spot, and I wanted to really cover Whiskey Mountain, which we will. Next time? It'll be last. 
Let's just do chronological. No, it's Danker. Huh? It's Danker. It goes your movie, my movie, your movie. Okay. There's a pattern. I mean, this this pattern was not brought to my attention until now. Well, that's the way it goes. I mean, I guess if you say so, Captain. Right, I do. But, uh, yeah, okay. So we'll watch Teen Wolf 2 Creek. Wolf yeah. Creek. Next, but this is a reason to watch it. And guess what? This is a great example of <laughs> I was wrong about this movie. I, you know, I, I I knew the famous scene. I thought I knew the premise, and this isn't a hillbilly revenge movie. And I thought yeah. it was. I I well, I'm right there with you because when you said because I'd never seen it either, either. Um, when you said let's do this movie, I'm like, okay, you know, in my mind, I'm like you. I have this this idea that. It's going to be Burt Reynolds and John Voight and the other two guys. Ronnie Cox and, and, and Ned Beatty. Come on now. Yeah, well, I was going to get into when we give the rundown. But I thought it was, like you said, kind of like a revenge movie. Like I spit on your grave and they're just going to be going after these dudes. And it's going to be like a whole bunch of them. And no. Nope. That is this- not the movie. The first half of this movie is just a lovely stroll down the river. Yeah. it It's... Uh- it's a movie that, uh, yeah, I'll just go out and say it, that it's different than what I thought it was going to be, and I'm so fucking glad it is, because I really like this movie a lot. It, 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 it's not a perfect film, but it's it's well acted, well shot, and yeah, that was one thing I noticed too. Was when the movie first come on, and when it, well, you know what? Let me get the details out of the way, and then we'll jump into that. All right, so Deliverance, July thirtieth, nineteen seventy two, has a runtime of one hundred nine minutes, had a budget of two million, made forty six point one million at the box office. So that's a pretty substantial 1972, amount. 1972, that's that's a banger. Well, and also just budget to box office, just the ratio there, that's, that's fucking good. I mean, you're talking well, about over 200%? Count inflation. Or no, not over 200%. It's more than that. I'm, I'm, that's like 2,000%, right? Mm-hmm. What? Or maybe it's 1,000%. I don't know. Somebody correct me. Because four million would have been hundred percent of the cost, right? We're a movie podcast, not a math podcast. Yeah, Move yeah. It along. That, we'll discuss that on math magicians. <laughs> New podcast. No, but anyways, uh, made tons of money though, especially compared to the budget. Uh, directed by John Borman, based on the novel Deliverance by James Dickey, who did the screenplay, starring John Voight, Burt Reynolds, Ned Beatty, and Ronnie Cox. And since you brought it up, just because of the way it was shot. Uh, Vilmos Zisigmund, and I have probably butchered that, but if you saw the way that name was spelled, I'd have to ask him. I'd be like, hey, how you say your last name? And I hate you getting people's last name. talking about the cinematographer? Name. Yeah. I hate uh, getting people's last names wrong just because people get my last name wrong, and it's four fucking letters, and it's so easy. B-O-N-E, bone. But they're like, boon? Bone? Bone? Like, no motherfucker. Like, bone. 
Well, you're a classy guy. You should be like, yeah, I'm Billy Bonet. Bonet, you yeah. Should, you really should go with Bonet. Get a monocle. Yeah. And just have a little pinky out all the time. Nah, skip the monocle. Go straight to the top hat. Straight to the top hat. I got you. Straight to the top hat. Vilmos Sigmund. Sigmund, okay. Yeah, so like you said, when the movie first comes on, and because this is 1972, this is before Star Wars is hit, and it's changed the way that we do movie credits. So the credits at this time roll at the front of the movie. And when the credits were rolling, the film was really grainy. And as soon as that's done, and I was like, oh man, this is gonna, this is going to be a, cause it's an HD at this point when we're watching and you're like, well, this is going to be a bad transfer. But as soon as the credits are over, man, the movie is so clear. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yep. It is. Uh, I mean, obviously like, um, this area in Georgia, <clears throat> tourism spiked after this movie because you watch this movie. You're like, I want to go fucking canoeing yeah, on that river. And I mean, it, it it's just, yeah, marvelous. And it's yeah. a, and it was filmed in Georgia. Yep. So it's actually technically on location, even though Aintree is a fictional town and the river's fictional. That's still Georgia. That's like, when you see that you're seeing Georgia. I think that's the Chattanooga River, I think. Um, I've got it pulled up, I can tell you. Do, 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 do. Not Chattanooga, but Chattooga. Okay. And, Close. Um, thank you. Do I get style points? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, this movie is kind of the catalyst for the big boom that you're seeing now and mainly Marvel Studios. They that's where they go. They go to Georgia. And this movie was the first because at the time Burt Reynolds was like, let's film in Florida. We can film this in Florida. And the governor at the time said no. So Bert had a like a little cabin near the yeah. water. And he actually then went to Senator um, Jimmy Carter and Carter was like, yeah, film here. And that's where it sort of started this, you know, making Atlanta like the Southern. Well, I, I don't know about like in terms of, but you know, there's a lot of movies made in Georgia. A lot, there's a of, lot of TV shows made in Georgia. Yeah. I think the walking dead was in Georgia for a while. Yeah, that sounds right. That might have been set in Georgia, too. I think it started in Georgia, didn't it? Cause, yeah, because they went so. into Atlanta because of the CDC. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But you know what they didn't have in that first season of The Walking Dead that they had here? Fucking dueling banjos. And that's it's all. not dueling banjos. Spoiler alert to everybody. It's yeah, just one I'm, banjo. One banjo and a guitar. But Yep. And I know this sounds hyperbole. I know it does. Banjo? Made you wish you had a banjo? Uh, I mean, first off, banjos kick ass, but I loved that scene. Loved it. Oh, yeah, that was nice. Loved it. It's well, so funny. But go ahead. What I was just going to say, since we're talking about because it's right there at the beginning, it was just uh, kind of set the, set the table, so to speak. We got four Atlanta businessmen that are going, they're planning a canoe trip down the river. Because this river is set to be 
changed is set to be dammed off and then made into a lake and they're just going to like take this whole area out and Burt Reynolds character Lewis who fancies himself an outdoorsman so wanted does to, he ever wanted to have this last trip before this was taken away from him and so they end up um essentially lost because they don't know where the fuck they're going but they're trying to find a way to the river and end up at at a gas station and the character drew pulls out his guitar for some fucking reason while they're getting gas, just pulls it out and starts playing. And then you see the little kid with the banjo and we get to the scene where you're talking about where they, they played the song dueling banjos together and mm-hmm. like, yeah. And it's a, it's a cool scene. It again, Borman, he went on to do, he, he's actually knighted. Um, he's Sir John Borman or the late Sir John Borman. But if you look at his credits, man, he he had some whew, some stinkers in there. Um, I'll just I'm just gonna read off these. Like he did Point Blank and Deliverance, and he did that in '67 and '72 respectively. And then he followed up Deliverance with Zardoz, Exorcist Two, The Heretic, Excalibur, which I need to see. I haven't seen it. And then, like, the Emerald Forest, Hope and Glory. I mean, these are kind of well-received movies, but nothing like Deliverance. But, yeah, he's he's in total control of this film. And when they start doing the dueling banjos, it's... Um, well, first off, these guys, these guys from Atlanta. And I was I was looking through my phone because in the, in the novel, they're given... In the movie, only one of them. Job, it said, and it's um, uh, Bobby Ned Beatty's character. He's an insurance salesman. Yeah, but I think Drew Ronnie Cox's character is a like a soda executive, and Ed, what was Ed? He was in uh, graphic design, and Lewis was a landlord. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. So that makes sense. He's not really a businessman and he kind of hates that life. He shit talks. I mean, and these guys from Atlanta, they come down and they just start shit talking these Mm -hmm. hillbillies from the jump. Yeah, I had that in my notes too. They were assholes. Yeah. Except Drew. Yeah. Yeah. Who's fucking playing the guitar and having a good time. And he's like, I could do this all day. Yeah, yeah, and you kind of wish the movie stayed there and just everybody became friends and yeah, you know. But then, like the old man who starts dancing, that was improvised. That kind of caught me off guard too. I was like, this just turned into an episode of fucking Hee Haw. <clears throat> fucking uh, yeah, and and it and just if you, if you don't remember that show, Google it. If you've got grandparents and you're from the South, you've watched it at some point. Well, if you don't remember the show Hee Haw, congratulations. You've never used a rotary phone. <laughs> I mean, but yeah. And, you know, we've already covered your kin folk back when we covered Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, that's your, that's your people. And <laughs> this here is my people. Like I'm seeing representation of, you know, um, who is that on The Simpsons? Oh, the Slack uh, Jaw Yokel? Cletus. Cletus. The Slack Jaw Yokel. Yeah. 
I mean, that had to have been taken from this movie, right? Oh man, I don't know. It's oh man, I'm trying to remember his uh, was his wife's name, Lurleen. No, no, Lurleen was uh. Man, oh, I, I'm not going to look it up, but I think Lurleen was the, the country music star in the show. The one that Colonel, falls in love with Homer? Yeah, Colonel Homer. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call me Colonel because I'm just some big fat guy in a suit. <laughs> well, we got it in. Yeah. We forced it, but we got it in. Um, but yeah, and so these city guys are just- Maybe we should rename this podcast to Six Degrees of- the Simpsons are just guys talk about movies and four Simpsons references and into the conversation. That's a long podcast title. That might not. That is. Yeah. But yeah, you were talking about the businessmen. Yeah. They just, they're shit talking these, these, um, hillbillies and you're like, well, if you keep it up, you're kind of going to get what you deserve. Yeah. You know, and even when, like, they're looking for somebody to drive them down to, it starts with an A. Aintree. Aintree. And, yeah, they finally come up on the guy. The Griners. The Griner brothers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's only the biggest fucking river in the state. Yeah. <laughs> that, shit, that shit was funny. <laughs> Yeah, um, Burt Reynolds' character, which is Lewis, when they go, when they drive on down to find the Grinder Brothers so they can get them to drive their cars to Aintree, he he finds like they get there and he just busts up into the fucking shop or whatever it is or the shed doesn't knock nothing. Just the dude, it's like the dude I get you're hurting himself. I get that you're a landlord, but this isn't your fucking property. <laughs> Take that shit somewhere else. But goddamn. Can you can see how Burt Reynolds became a star after the, this is what put him on the map? Oh, yeah, he was doing man, like he played that fucking character well, and and I don't know like who made the costume choices, but like for Burt's character, you know, because he fancied himself a fucking outdoorsman and survivalist and all that. Like he was dressed to that too, man, and he looks like a movie star, like a movie star from the seventies, you know. It's him and Robert Redford and Paul Newman, but Burt Reynolds is right up there. Yeah. I mean, and when he's when he's on screen, you're watching Burt Reynolds because, I mean, of course, Lewis is supposed to be kind of the man, you know, quote unquote. But he's also like commanding this, yeah. you know, the camera without even like with no effort, no effort. I don't know, like. I, I just recently watched Smokey and the Bandit like maybe six to eight months ago for the first time. Never seen it. Uh, yeah, it's worth a watch. It's good. But, you know, in that movie, he's like what you think of when you think of Burt Reynolds. Charming, funny. Mustache. You know, mustache. And in this one, it's like no facial hair, not funny, like super serious. Yeah. Where kind, of, kind of a dick. Yep. I mean, he keeps calling Ned Beatty chubby. Yeah. And he just met him. So it ain't like they're old buddies. Like, yeah, no shit. chubs. He's like, I don't want to ride with a fat one anymore. To the point later on, he's like, 
I'm going to go with you. I don't want to be around him. All he does is holler at me. Yeah. It's so like the, I guess the nucleus of this group is, um, Ed, cause he's the one who knows all of them. John Voight's character. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know who, which character it was. I was just trying to think like, I figured it was him or Drew. I don't know why I was thinking Drew. Yeah. It felt, it felt like Drew and Bobby, uh, had just met Lewis to yeah. me. So yeah, they're all so apparently graphic design has taken taken Ed all over the place. Yeah, he's, well, the soda executive makes sense. Yeah. And the insurance, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you can see yeah. how that would work out. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they they want to like we said, they want to do this last trip and you know, before the rivers changed into a, a lake and a dam and they they meet the Grinder brothers and it's like, you know, for all this shit talking you've done about them, those guys sure did fucking drive a bargain on you. Or I mean, they they negotiated pretty well. You know, yeah. Like you're sitting here talking this shit and you're thinking you're gonna get this done for nothing. And the guy's like, nah, I want fifty dollars. And dude, fifty dollars back then, it ain't like today. I mean, that's like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Cause fuck, when what? How much gas did he get? Like four dollars and something worth? Five dollars? Filled it up. Yeah, filled, filled up, up the car. Yep. Now that's just enough to get you out of the fucking parking lot. God, and the way he talked to him, like he's like, I need to go to uh, Altry, Aintry, Aint- like the word Aint, <laughs> Aint, and then a tree. <laughs> okay, he's like, I need to go to uh, Aintry, and. uh the old man says something like, why do you want to go down there? And then Bert, I mean, Burt Reynolds just like, fucking put gas in the car, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just so disrespectful. But you can, and you can tell that this is like a different time, right? This is 1972. You're just like, yo, I'll give you 30 bucks. You drive, drive these two vehicles down to entry for me. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't do that shit now. Like you wouldn't trust anybody with your fucking vehicle. You'd be like, no, you first off, you'd have to pay for parking. Then you'd have to Uber your ass up to the fucking river. I hope you got a license to canoe. Yeah. <laughs> Especially. And yeah. And you're not taking fucking bow and arrows and all that shit with you. Cause you're not just going to be fucking fishing off your, uh, your goddamn boat or shooting deer or anything like that. Cause you gotta have a license for that. And then it's gotta be in season. And there's a noise ordinance in the woods. So you better not bring that guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might get hit yeah. with a copyright claim when you try to play dueling banjos or something. No, oh, I'm, I'm sure. Somebody run up and like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you get written consent? Be like, no, I was playing happy birthday. Yeah. That's free domain now. Don't worry. Oh, is it finally free domain? Yeah. Because I knew for a while, because <laughs> I knew yeah. that it wasn't. So when you'd hear shows sing different songs besides happy birthday, it was because they didn't want to pay somebody to fucking sing happy birthday. Yeah. It's finally free. So we can sing it all. I mean, that could just be our uh, theme song. It's just sing happy birthday over and over. Yeah. But yeah. So they, then after they drive this bargain though, or not bargain, I keep saying a bargain. It's not a fucking bargain. It wasn't a bargain. You ended up paying $10 more than what you wanted after they got this deal made to have these cars. The supply dri- and demand transaction. Yeah. To have these cars driven to entry. They're like, well, let's go to the river. And Burt Reynolds or um, Lewis, Lewis just 
fucking drives through the grass and cuts him off so he can take point in an area he doesn't know. Gets lost, goes, you know, thinks he's found the fucking water and he hasn't. He ends up taking the wrong turn. But he's just hauling fucking ass down these roads, just still being a dick. Yeah. And, and you're about to trust your car to these guys. I have never seen a movie where one male character displayed both simultaneously big dick energy and small dick energy. <laughs> I mean, and that's Lewis. I mean, you know, like, as we'll come to find out, he, you know, he can get shit wrong. Oh, yeah. So to say. <laughs> but, yeah, and then, so he's hauling ass in front of these, uh, my kinfolk, and he takes, like, a wrong turn and comes up on, like, this, almost like this... Uh, uh, dump that this family has that they yeah. just put shopping carts and shit, you know. So he has to play it off, you know. So he backs up the truck and he backs up to where the uh, kinfolk are at, and he's like, "I'll find the river." And one of them, like, they're all three riding in like this uh, this truck, and one of them just leans over. He's like, "It ain't but the biggest fucking river in yeah. the state." Yeah. Except when you see it, they they show like the when you f- see it for the first time, it's like the narrowest part of the river, and you're just almost like, hmm, this looks kind of like a creek. <laughs> or a creek. Uh, yeah. John Wayne used to call it a crick. <laughs> crick. Jumping at crick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah, he was he was a fucking dick about that. And then he, they finally find it, and when they get there, man. When they get there, that road is so narrow. Did you notice that? Like they're nah. just when they opened up the doors on the fucking vehicle when they finally make it to the river, like the trees are like coming in through the windows and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's just slapping branches, <laughs> slapping your face. Yeah, right. It's like to roll up the window, asshole. <laughs> yeah. And this, uh, depending on how you feel about movies, you're either gonna love this next part or you're just going to be bored out of your mind and that because you get them they, they're going down the river and now you're you get this just a stretch where it's just them canoeing essentially yeah and it's, and it's just a piece now i didn't have a problem with it i liked it but you know if you if you like your movies to be rapid pace where something's always happening and you this may not be for you but as far as like filmmaking, man, it was beautiful, like the river and everything. And then you're just, you're getting to see these guys. This is what they came for. And this is what they, and this is why they were there was to do this. And they're having a good time and having fun, you know, and it was, it was just a beautifully shot sequence. And it's funny you say that, like, depending on how you view movies, because like, um, for me, it it wasn't even a you know that thought didn't even come into my mind because you know movies from this era took its fucking time. Yeah, you know, uh, there's no rush to you know watch any movie from the seventies. Yeah, you're letting the movie breathe. Yeah, and and now it's like you said, 
Like because our attention spans are the executives thinks our attention spans are shot and they're not per se wrong on that. But, but there this, always has to be something happening. Yeah, always, always. And, and that's been a complaint that I've had about movies now. Is, and I can't remember if it was you or maybe it was somebody else I was talking to where I was just like, I'd seen a newer movie and I just, I felt like it was a, a movie for people with short attention spans because it just seemed like there was always something shiny on the screen, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I miss that about oh. movies. Like movies, and they, they, they take that time and just let it develop. Yeah. And we're just trying to jam pack so much in there. And then, and then it just makes me wonder how some movies are fucking three hours long when we're doing that. Like this movie's 109 minutes, but this this movie's telling a story and it takes place all in this one setting. You know, you don't get a bunch of fluff you know, before they get there. You don't get like fluff at the end or anything like that. It's, it's a tight, concise story, but it still has the time to develop and to well, set in. Yeah. And even, even that being said, the movie opens up with voiceover from the guys who are almost there. Like now you make that movie, um, they're saying bye to their family. Yeah. And it's quick cutting and, you know, um, probably like a dick and fart joke on the drive over, you know, and like, like you said, there's got to be something going on. Like, even if it's an action with words, wordplay. Or saw a dead animal on the side of the road, or something, just to yeah, just so you could be like, oh well, you know, here's something happening. Oh, and we're moving into some kind of bad part of the the. No, you don't need all that all the time. And yeah, it was it was nice to see that. And I know you get that into older movies, but when you watch a bunch of newer movies, like you don't always see that. Now you still have filmmakers that'll do that that have mastered that craft, but. A lot of movies, like I said, it's bam, 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 bam. Yeah, and it's so it's so funny that that we're talking about this because even yeah, it's funny that you you say that because these these hillbillies, um, well, they look real, obviously, but. It's it's almost comical, but it never crosses that line. As in, and I'm going to go ahead and say it uh, because it'll be a while before we get to the movie. But then you look at the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And how, you remember the boy? Yeah. Um, pearly whites. They were just like crooked and buck teeth, you know. Obviously, he was wearing a, a fake teeth, but it's just, it was so comical. And you look at how they were dressed in that 2003 re- remake. It was like the 1970s Hollister collection. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, yeah. And obviously, that's based in the 70s. You know, just two years after this movie was made. But you look at this, and everything is just so. It doesn't go overboard with anything. If they made this movie now, when Burt Reynolds broke his leg, 
they would linger on that shot. Oh, yeah. You would have saw it break. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, and like you're saying, with the with the other characters outside of the main cast, it's like, yeah, they looked apart, but the movie itself isn't making fun of them. It's the main characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie's not. Whereas yeah. I think a lesser movie or even maybe like a newer movie would, it would be over the top and be making fun of the characters or making well, the characters almost a parody. And the, our protagonists would be commenting more on them. Like yeah. these people don't, uh, the four friends don't really, I mean, it's almost, it's like a, a nudge and a wink about these people, but nothing that goes. Yeah. You, you've got these people that have their way of life. Yeah. And they're doing their thing. And you have like these people that are outside and they're outsiders and it might like seem foreign to them. But once again, it's not, it's not that uh Cletus, the slack jawed yokel kind no. of parody, like you get in the Simpsons, which in the Simpsons, you know, that's by design, that's to be funny. You know, every character in that show is designed to be like a stereotype pretty much. And you got the evil businessman and Mr. Burns, you've got the Bill Cosby doctor, you know, all of those characters are all parodies and they're all taken to extremes, except that you have movies that think that's one of the things like I always complained about with movies like newer movies is when they try to do Southern accents or when they make a movie in the South and they just assume that every person in the South is a slow talking hick and they all have extreme accents. Howdy y'all that type of thing. Well, the, and you know, the four main the characters are Southern as well. Yeah. And I think Voight puts a little on it. Not, I mean, as in like Borman didn't say, Hey, I need you to go further with this. Like Voight's was just so subtle. But you make this movie now, all of a sudden there's political commentary. Well, if you for made ninety that, minutes, if you made that movie now, I guarantee you that the, those four characters wouldn't be from the South. No, they would have drove down. Well, they they could they could be from Atlanta. I, Atlanta I still think, is. I still think they come from somewhere up, and they come down because then by doing that you can have all the other characters that live in the South have these exaggerated accents that Hollywood seems so fucking fond of. Yeah. Which, and it's, and I get it too, because they do it with like, they'll do it with like New Yorkers too, where the, you know, everybody's like used guys and shit like that. Like, you can't assume that everybody in an area all sounds the same or they all dress the same or they all do, you know, like, and once again, like I said, we just love stereotypes and we love doing that. And so, yeah, in 1972, you got this movie. Everybody in this movie is supposed to be from the South, but not everybody has the same drawn out, slow talking accent. Yeah. Because somehow in 1972, before the internet and before like, you know, the information superhighway and all that, people had a better idea that people could be different even yeah. in the same region. And now when we have access to all this information, we just like assume like, Oh, well you're from Georgia. You must be a slack jawed yokel. 
or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the, I think this movie could, could only exist in the early seventies before it became, I don't even think the eighties. I think if it was made in the eighties, Burt Reynolds would have had a gun instead of a bow and arrow, you know? Yeah. The seventies the seems to have been like a period of gritty filmmaking. Oh yeah. Maybe, well, you're coming out ma- with the Vietnam war. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's the word oh, I'm looking yeah. for where a lot of these movies just were different, you know, and then the eighties was excess, right? Yeah. And so things, yeah, and it's all kind of over the top. And you mm-hmm. see it with like even in the horror movies, like when we I know we touched on it, but like when you compare Texas Chainsaw to, you know, like a nightmare in Elm Street, they're different movies. And you see that here with this movie. Like I said, if this movie is made in a different decade, it's not the same. And you know, no. it's not gonna be this and it's not going to be for the better. Like this movie exists in a time and is made in a time to where it needed to be made so it could be what it is. Yeah. And I think, I think having Borman do it probably helped him because he's, he was an outsider, you know, he's an Englishman, I think. Um, I hope I'm not just spewing, just not, making shit up, just making shit up. But, you know, if he, maybe if he was like, he was New born York in City. England. Yeah, maybe if he was from New York City, he'd he would have this be like, no, let's let's make him. I say that the author played the sheriff, the uh, author did, of the book. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I see that now. And he was uh, on set a lot. He got him and Borman got into a fight. He'd came on set drunk, and he was mad that they'd sort of changed the script, but. uh you know, I was sitting here thinking, and I didn't, I didn't even think about that when I was looking at it, like who did the screenplay, but because I read the summary of the book, and when you read the summary of the book and compare it to the movie, they're pretty close. Yeah, I don't think any big changes were made. What's the what movie was closest to the book for you? Have you that you've seen? I think maybe we might have like a similar answer. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Yeah, that's my answer, yeah. too. I'd started reading the book, actually, and then I was just like, hmm, this is just like the movie. Yeah, the Coens did take out a scene where uh, I think Llewellyn and uh, uh, Sugar, Sugar, <laughs> Sugar, Sugar, Jesus wept almighty, uh, actually had a conversation, and I yeah, think that was for the best. And there was, I think, two separate speeches that Tommy Lee Jones's character made and they combined it into one. Yeah. And other I mean, than that, yeah. But also that movie was written as a screenplay. I did. I saw that like that was his original intention. It wasn't for it to be a novel. It was written as a screenplay mm-hmm. and nobody took it up. And so he made it into a book and then, Hey, now it's a movie. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that was what I was thinking too. That's always my go-to when I talk about, you know, movies being like the book and thank God it was, cause that's a fantastic fucking movie too. And Thank God that this movie is like the book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, in the movie, you know, I, I, God, it's so funny. You're talking about like, oh, you might get bored within the first 10 minutes because it is 
these four guys going down the river. But once this movie gets into like second gear, it it hums. I mean, yeah. it, it it goes quickly. I I like seeing characters do mundane things, and I, especially if they're good at it. And I like that in books also to an extent. And so, it, like I said, it didn't bother me because I think it it gives the character character. Mm-hmm. You get to see him. You get to see the like. You know, like by watching these guys go down this river, you know they're having a good time and they're enjoying themselves. But you also know that there's frustration with, you know, Bobby towards Lewis and Lewis towards Bobby, and yeah. you're getting just these character moments. And so it was cool to see. But yeah, then we we finally do get to where this they get separated a little bit, and it's yeah. It's, but it, go back just the night before though, because oh yeah, there's one thing that stood out to me. And then when the movie finished, another thing stood out to me. The first thing was Lewis doesn't drink. Yeah. That was that was odd, wasn't it? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right, because they were passing around like a bottle of whiskey, and they're like, yeah, yeah, Lewis doesn't drink. That was weird. And the second thing is, and you don't realize this. This guy was talking about fucking this air mattress? No, no, no. That That's perfectly normal and sane to me. That's called Wednesday night. <laughs> what... Because Lewis thinks he's here something. Yeah, I did forget about that. I'm glad you brought that back up. And he goes off, and you're you're expecting what you something to happen in. to see deliverance. Yeah, but then when the movie ended, and you're sort of looking back on it, it's like, oh, Lewis was just he's kind of he's kind of full of shit. Would they make reference to that? When they're they're talking about it, because uh, Drew and Ed are talking about it, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, he's he's an outdoorsman," and I think it's Drew who says he learned the woods, but he doesn't fill the woods. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why Drew would be making that comment, but yeah, yeah it's it's sort of along those lines to where it's like, because he, and you know, it's not like Lewis gives these speeches; he'll say like a couple of lines of dialogue. It's like, uh. The only way to find yourself is to get lost or some other yeah. like Tolkien quote. But he'll say these just a couple of lines here and there, you know? A landlord is never late. He arrives exactly when he's supposed to. <laughs> the landlord doesn't drink. He smokes the good fucking Hobbit hash. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, yeah, so the next day. They're making good time. And well, I, I, you know what? I, let me say one more thing about um, just Lewis's character because he does show like outdoor skills because he shoots mm. that fucking fish. The second time, though, which I think is again, it's beautiful that he missed the first well, time. Well, I mean, everybody would miss. So yeah, I'd, no, I know, but it to me was a good uh, just. A character moment he missed. He got it the second time. Yeah. Instead of being like this ultimate badass. No, that's, I was agreeing with you. Yeah. And then it shows, it reinforces though that, you know, he's learned the woods. He has some skills, but he doesn't necessarily feel the woods. Yeah. Well, it, it's not even so much feel. It's like, yeah, he's an outdoorsman. He loves the woods. Let's 
bring it down a couple of notches, fella. You know, we're just out here trying to like have a good time. Let's, you know. But yeah, then we get to the next day. Well, the next day is important too. Again, this movie's yeah. Uh, I'm enjoying talking about this movie because I'm I just watched it. The next day is important because Voight wakes up and Voight's a, a married guy. He's got responsibilities. Uh, but he likes doing some of the shit that Burt Reynolds does. You know, they probably grew up together. So he takes his bow. Yep. Sees the deer. And he has a character moment. Yeah. And he can't he, he can't release the the arrow. But not before he tips the deer off essentially by making a noise and then the deer runs and then he lets the arrow go. No, he shoots the arrow first. I thought he made the noise before he shot the arrow. No, he released it. Hmm. He did. He did. Because he's shaking so bad. He released it. It hit the tree. The deer looks up and then goes off. Uh, we'll have to read. We'll check. No, and then I, no. I'm if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, this. if I'm wrong, we'll never speak of it again. But if I'm right. <laughs> no. John you're probably Borman's, right. You're, you're probably Borman's right. English. Well, anyways. It's, it's yeah, pronounced he, Burt Reynolds. Reynolds. Nobody knows that. He and, can't, uh, but you're right though. But like, he can't bring himself to shoot the deer. Mm-hmm. And they Which even talk play. about it when he goes back to camp. He doesn't say like, "Hey, that's me," but they're talking about it. The uh, condition, yeah, because it comes into play later. It does, which is something that you had in filmmaking back in the day. You know, it was a. Uh, <laughs> I think it, the the phrase is what Chekhov's gun, right? Yeah. If you, see, if you see a gun hanging on the wall yeah. in a scene, then the gun has to come into play later. So here you see that John well, Boyd introduce has, a gun in the first act and Chekhov's gun. You have yeah. to reintroduce it in the third act. But basically yeah. what you're saying. And yeah, and you have this moment with John Voight here before the before the movie takes its turn and then it comes into play later on. Yeah. Which now you could just and I don't want to just like shit on like all the movies that are made nowadays, but some of these things are, it's almost like it's a lost art form. And now you could just like have that happen and it never be addressed again. Cause we've seen movies like that. Like yeah. recent movies where something happens and you're just like, wait a minute. What the fuck was that for? Yeah. Which I don't, you know, It's not shitting on every movie made now. It's just every movie. What's shitting on some current techniques? At least for me, it is. To me, just Hollywood is so boring now. Uh, and it's a, just a CG fart fest in everything, man. I, I mean, I started even thinking while I was watching this movie, if they made this movie now, it would just be made in a studio. Oh, yeah. That would have been a fake Everything river. would be CG. Yeah. Yeah. That'd have been a fake river. Did you know this? That, and IMDb has never lied to me, <laughs> and it's not lying now, but I believe it. I believe this because I'm a gullible uh, asshole. They actually had to like desaturate the film because the water looked too beautiful. Hmm. Like on film. Like it looked too good on film. I uh, am yeah, listening to you. I don't. I'm not going to stop recording or anything. But did you hear that? A dog? 
Yes. Yeah. So you did hear it? Okay. I did hear that time, yeah. It's going crazy in the apartment next to me. So if y'all are if y'all can hear that, you know, there you go. We got some ambient yeah. noises for you. Yeah. A- ASMR, you're welcome. Yeah. I should eat another cookie. <laughs> right? Yeah. Dude, it's going again. It's it's just going so crazy. Well, I can I, I only heard it that one time. It's five. But yeah, so they they're back on and we've split up. And this is important. We've split the groups up in a different way this time. Burt Reynolds has requested not to be with Bobby. After on the first day, Drew requested to go with Ed because of the way Lewis was driving. He's like, I don't want to be in a boat with this madman. Like he was driving like a maniac. And so you had Bobby and Lewis together and Lewis kept calling Bobby names, you know, tubby or whatever. And then hollering at him, hollering at him the whole time. They're going down the river. And so the next day, uh, Lewis is like, yeah, you're taking Bobby today, Ed. I, I can't be in a boat with him. And so now you get Ed and Bobby together and they, which is also foreshadowing for the end of the movie because they're the final pair when it comes to navigating the boat too. But that's they, true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. They're going down and they get ahead. They, they end up getting separated a little bit. And so they pull off to the side and this is where the movie takes the turn, right? They're, they're away from this is what everybody knows. Yeah. And this is what, and what everybody thought the movie was about us included. You yeah. thought this was going to be a movie full of this and it's not, but it's just one scene that kind of sets the stage for the rest of the movie though. So yeah, take us through it. Yeah. So they, uh, they dock the boat and, um, Ed gets out and he's a little ahead of Bobby and he sees um, just these two hillbillies just in the woods. And he, you know, he sort of gets the, you know, it's sort of in the air that, okay, this, this isn't something's wrong here. Like, yeah. And one of them has a shotgun and, you know, so Ed and Bobby are just telling them that they're going to Aintree and it, and these guys are having none of it. They won't, they won't Bobby's ass. <laughs> you know? right. And they, you know, because they have the shotgun, they tie up John Voigt. They put a, some kind of a belt. They take his belt. His they take yeah. his belt off. Okay. Yeah. And Tom to the tree. And and the other guy proceeds to they strip Bobby down, um, and then tell him to take off his underwear, and then they start chasing him, and Bobby's running and he's falling on all fours, and he he proceeds to rape him. And, you know, you're only seeing John Voight's reaction. Yeah. And this movie doesn't linger on the rape. It doesn't. Not visually, but you can no, hear it. You can hear it, and it's not. Um, it's not played up for the audience. It's like, still, it's, it's very uncomfortable, though. It is, because you're seeing Voight's reaction. 
Yeah. And what happens is they finish with Bobby or the one guy. And and this is when he had, because I think you're about to move past it, but this is where they make the whole squeal like a pig comment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the other one who was holding the shotgun, he's got like, um, you know, toothbrushes weren't a big thing in the, in the Appalachia. <laughs> and so he's like, he's, he's got this very unique look. Like he's, he, he doesn't have any teeth and they're about to make John Voigt, um, uh, suck his dick. And Voigt, Ed sees. And this is what he told him. He's like, he's got a, per, a pretty mouth. Pretty mouth. And finally, Lewis and Drew come. And yeah, this is where. But you see that like Lewis has no reservations about shooting or killing somebody. Not at so, all. So you see that like, because you might have that feeling that, you know, he's a lot of hot air as people tend to be. When it comes to things, they'll they'll talk a good game about like everything they're going to do, but they don't really deliver when it's time. But in Lewis's case, he comes through and doesn't fucking miss. Thankfully for Ed, no. Well, I mean it's a it's through the heart. Yeah, and but Lewis knew the score too. You know, he knew. I mean, he probably didn't even see Bobby honestly because Bobby's still on the ground. Yeah, he just knew. They've got Ed on his knees with a shotgun. I mean, and so he shoots him, and the other one runs off, and they should have chased him down, honestly, um, and whacked his ass. But the other guy gets away. And, you know, now you're left with the the morality question, and this is really where the movie is. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah, it's not not a revenge thriller like we – thought nope it's a, like the revenge happens essentially right there and like you said now we're you know this has happened what do we do but i still was expecting more hillbillies you were expecting the one like general yeah, custard the one that ran off to go back and grab like a group of them and i like now we got to fight off five of these fuckers yeah he brings his cousins and it doesn't happen it doesn't happen and you know this is where we find out drew's character yeah. Let's take him to the police. Take his dead body. It's kind of like, and it's not the same premise, but maybe you can follow my line of thinking on this. It's kind of like Lord of the Flies. Right. What do you do when, you know, what is your society like when you control everything or whatever, when you have nobody to answer to? And right now mm-hmm. these guys have nobody to answer to, and now they have to make a decision. And there's two ways that you can go about this. But instead of, you know, like a bus full of kids, it's four grown men. And now we've got to decide, like, do we do what we feel is, you know, the right thing in informing the authorities or do we do the other the, right thing? Yeah. And, and we understand our situation. Bury this piece of shit in a shallow grave and, yeah, you know, wash your hands. Fuck him. You know, in a lot of movies, a lot of novels, they, they've, you know, and this probably wasn't, I'm, I say fairly confident, this wasn't the first to answer that question, but a lot, you know, you've seen different um, narrative stories to where 
a dead body. What do we do? You have one person on the side of law. You have the other person on the side of logic. And, you know, Drew, he, you know, he was, you know, and, and, and Lewis tells him, you believe in democracy. Let's take a vote. Yeah. I really wished, you know, we, in this situation, Bobby and Ed should have spoke up and said, Drew, you weren't there. Like Bobby says nothing. I get it. I well, get Bobby, it. he does speak at one point, but his thing is like, I don't want, I don't this want to anybody. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, a reasonable thing, you know, cause that's, and not just because it happened like to a man or whatever. I'm, there's a lot of people like when you have like these types, types of situations and I'm not talking about just about rape, but just anything to where sometimes you just don't want somebody to know. No, I can't and you want to sweep it under the rug and just forget about it as soon as possible. And that's the position Bobby's in. He's like, I, I just want to forget about this. It happened. You know, we've killed the guy. Let's fucking bury him and get out of here. Yeah. And I wish Bobby would have said that to Drew. Cause Drew handles this very badly. Yeah. And I think, Nine out of ten people would have been like fucking Barry. Yeah, you know. I feels like that. I think so. Also, and they hint at it a little bit too. Like, hey, we're essentially in a foreign territory with foreign, you know, officials, and you see it later in the movie too when they're you know looking for the bodies. One of the people missing is the brother-in-law of one of the cops. Mm -hmm. How do you think that's going to happen if you did report that to the authorities? Yeah. Because this isn't and, this isn't Atlanta. This this isn't you know. This is going to be a small town police force where most people are related. Yeah, Lewis and, says it. He's like on a jury is going to be his cousins and his brother. Yeah, and you have and that's a reasonable fear. Whether it's right or wrong, that's a reasonable fear. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, the movie does a good job of succinctly. Showing where each guy stands. I like how you, along. I like how you worked that in there. That's a nice word. Yeah, I don't ever use it, but mm, you just yeah. big into my vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> two times, two times. We'll come back. <laughs> give, give another thirty minutes. We'll do another reference. It's so funny though because Ed goes along with it, of course, because he was about to, yeah, have to to blow a hillbilly. But it also feels like Ed would, to me, like Ed would do whatever Lewis wanted. Yeah. That's yeah. the kind of relationship it felt like they had. He has a follower type mentality to to Lewis's uh, alpha. He's yeah. the beta. Yeah. He, he has to become the alpha later. Yeah. And, but yeah, we'll get to it. But yeah, so they bury the body and, you know. I was going to ask you, what would you do? I mean, I think everybody would. A situation like that, I would probably bury the body. Bury the body. You know. Um, I don't know if I'd be off, fortunate enough to find soft earth that I could dig up on my hands, but. Yeah, I mean, that was really soft. I could lay in that. Like, in fucking Ed had a knife. You couldn't have chopped up the ground some. He starts doing it a little bit afterwards. Yeah. You see him finally pull it out. But also, I'm not riding in a canoe with a dead body. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, 
this is such a minor thing. I just I thought about it because I'd written down my notes. Did you notice how some of the guys would ride the canoe? No. <laughs> On their fucking knees. That's got to be painful after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is like a 1958 metal canoe, you know? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I saw him like, I think Drew and Bobby are like knee riding when they it's, first go. That's probably, I, it's got to be for better balance when you hit rapids, right? I guess. I've only ever sat in a canoe and it tipped over. So maybe. Well, the rapids at Okatoma are quite small. Compared no, this, to was, this was actually um, a church camp when I was younger. This is how I got contacts. I lost my glasses because somebody hit. And it wasn't because we did anything wrong. Somebody hit our canoe. Another uh, canoe bumped us and we spilled. Where was this at? Um, was this in Texas? No, this was in Mississippi. Okay, it's probably Okatoma. No, because it was on a pond. Oh, this Jesus, was like a ch- your church is like it was in Kosciuszko. No, it was in Kosciuszko somewhere. <laughs> I think they have like a camp out there somewhere. Okay, but yeah, it was it was like I said, it was just a youth camp. Overnight? Now I have, huh? Overnight? Yeah, well, it was multiple days, but oh. I had to leave because I couldn't see. <laughs> Let me ask how how old were you when you realized your vision was dog shit? Um, second or third grade? Yeah, yeah. I, That's about I had like to, me. Yeah. I had to start squinting, and I remember I got my glasses and, and they got them with a tint, you know, because you're a kid and it's a cool thing to do. <laughs> And I didn't wear them to school when I first got them. I had them in my pocket and I went to pull them out to put them on. And my teacher thought I was putting it on sunglasses and I got in trouble. <laughs> and I had to explain to them like, you know, I need these. Then when they saw what they were, they were like, oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, they thought I was trying to no, put on sunglasses. Bitch. I'm just that cool. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm about to put on sunglasses inside. But, Eat yeah. shit, teach. <laughs> Have you ever... It's not canoeing, but have you ever been whitewater rafting? Oh no, I bet it's fun as hell. Though. It is. I've been I've been twice, and it's it's a blast. First time we yeah. went, man, like we, and this was back when I went was uh, going to church. So it was a it was um our youth trip. It was the Freeney uh, Baptist Church. Good Christian soldier that you were. Yeah, and that first year, man, we kicked that river's ass. Our raft did. Now there was another raft that popped straight up and you seen everybody that was in it come flying out except for the guide. <laughs> and it was fucking hilarious. But then the next time we went, we uh we we flipped. So how long how long does does it take to go down the rapids? I don't know because you're not thinking about time. Because you have like because it's it's like this movie. You have these periods where like, okay, we gotta paddle because we're not at the rapids. Yeah. And then you have these different rapids and you, you do that and then you go down a little bit more and then you hit some more rapids. But if you ever have the chance to do it, I mean, I know oh, Sweden's, I yeah. Sweden's known for their uh, raging rivers, right? Raging lakes. Lakes yeah. are having rapids. Well, there yeah. you go. But if you ever get a chance, I would recommend it. It's a lot of fun. 
Um, I uh, enjoyed it. Everybody uh, that I know that's gone. Maybe one year we can just all do it ourselves. You mean like deliverance? For yeah, us? yeah, just like that. Me, you, Daniel, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, or Mitchell. No, yeah, Mitchell. Don't forget Mitchell. Well, I did. I did forget about Mitchell there. Well, I was when I was thinking of Bobby. I was thinking of Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it, it was a good comment for the time. I thought it was funny too. Um, but no, but I was talking about like you know, like yeah, but me, you, Mitchell. Daniel, just whoever, you know, just and because you could do it Dude, with families. Yeah. Maybe from our Patreon money, we can go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. Much, much like my rafting adventures, the group finally gets back on the water after they bury the body. And I think they end up changing up groups again because I think at this point it's no it's the same group is no, it the same group no no it's not because uh, it's Drew, Drew and, Drew's with uh, Ed yeah Drew's with Ed and so we're back to Bobby and um, Lewis mm. but Drew just kind of shakes his head and falls into the water uh, yeah he's you know, Ed sitting there telling him to put on his life jacket. Mm-hmm. Put on your life jacket, Drew. Put on your life jacket. And Drew's just, well, he's, he's shell-shocked. He has PTSD. Remember what had just happened? Yeah, from not having the worst of it happen to him. Yeah, out of all three of them. Out had of everybody. To, yeah, out of everybody there who had, to, had the least like trauma inflicted on him. Yeah, but he just... Now, that's not to say that I could bury a dead body and be perfectly fine afterwards either. You could. I I think you could. Probably. I've seen you do worse. Yeah. I've seen you do worse. But, yeah. Apparently, he's suffering from some kind of trauma and doesn't want to put on his life vest, like you said. And And just fucking asses out. Yeah. Just completely just falls over at the worst time because the river's calm. Mm-hmm. Rapids, calm rapids. He falls over right at the start of some more rapids. So Ed and Drew's canoe go sideways at the perfect time that Lewis and Bobby are coming on them. So he, they jackknife that canoe. It breaks. And now everybody's in the water. And, uh, you know, when they finally... And it's a lot of men wailing in rapids. I mean, props to these guys because I think most of them did their own stunts. Yeah. Um, some of this should look painful. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, Burt Reynolds ended up breaking his coccyx. Yeah, his tailbone. Yeah, and and when they when finally Bobby, Ed, and Drew are finally able to come up. They're like, where's Drew? And Lewis immediately says he was shot. Which, you know, 
I'm watching the movie and I'm like, he wasn't shot. He just fell in. And then it becomes like, was he shot? Like you're asking yourself in that moment, first time you're watching in this, did they, did he get shot? Especially when I thought this movie was one thing, you know, when you thought it was a revenge thriller. When I thought these hillbillies were going to make all four of them, you know, OnlyFans stars. <laughs> God. Yeah. So, and Lewis breaks his leg in his scene. Though, and it's a break in such a weird spot. Yeah. Because usually, like, when you see breaks like this, and, and maybe, and because you see it in sports a lot, too, football players and mixed martial artists and stuff, they break their lower leg, but Lewis breaks, like, his upper leg, and it's protruding yeah. through the side of his thigh. Which has got to be way worse. Yeah. Because I feel like that's got to be such a hard bone to break, too. And this was nasty in a, what am I seeing? Because when he comes up on the rock, you just see something sticking out his leg. And it yeah. like, is that like some sort of foam from the rapids? And then, you know, they show it very briefly. You know, uh, it wasn't a gratuitous, you know, shot, you know. And Lewis is screaming. They shot him. They shot him. And, you know. You know? Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Did you watch this movie? Yeah, I did. Okay. But yeah, he's, say, he's saying they shot him, but you're kind of like, you know, did it happen? Did it not happen? And But it sets us towards the next part when they're like, well, if it happened, it happened from up there. You know, yeah. some, somebody's got to climb this rock face and see. Otherwise, we're never getting out of here because if we try yeah. to leave, because they even mentioned it, like, let's get on the canoe. The canoe and let's ride on that. And are like, I'd said canoe. <laughs> but if they get, get on, let's get on the canoe. Yeah. Well, that's part of my fancy upbringing. Yeah. But if they get on this canoe and try to ride out, they're Bonet, get, shot. get on the canoe. There you go. Bonet's on the canoe. And obviously, Bobby's not climbing his rock facing, and, and Lewis isn't climbing his rock facing. So it has to be Ed, the person who had who had trouble pulling the trigger earlier is going to climb up this rock face with his bow and arrow. And I didn't realize that this was actually John Voigt climbing his rock face. Yeah. yeah. So hats off to him. Cause that's sitting here thinking like, man, this is, this dude's climbing his rock with no fucking like rope. He has a rope, but it's not to help him climb up. He's like free soloing up there. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And this, and I'd read that this was shot in the daytime, and then just whatever the process is to the film well, to make you it can see night. it because this is where the film probably looks its worst when they show I'm these uh, these scenes with John Voight at night. Yeah, it doesn't look great. I I love the effect it gives off though. I, I do. Like I I'm guess a fan if of maybe this. the rest of the movie wasn't so clean, but like the rest of it's just so. The filming is so clean and the transfer is so clean. And then this, it's like, mm. yeah, I love it. There's a scene in Manhunter, and I don't know, maybe we'll one day cover Manhunter. It's, it's one of my favorites. And 
the movie is just bathed in like, I mean, it's 1986 Michael Mann. It's just bathed in these beautiful colors. And there's a scene when uh, William Peterson's character, um, Jack, is uh, in bed with his wife. And it's like this. It's it's how like Joel Schumacher filmed Flatliners. It was just it's all blue. Yeah. And, you know, they. They live on the beach, so you got this big window looking out over the beach, and it's just blue, blue. I mean, and they filmed that during the day, and then did the same effect, and it just looks so beautiful. So yeah, I I do like this, and but continue. Well, yeah, he, and you can see like he's up here now, and he's trying to stay awake because he's supposed to be looking to see if there's somebody up there, and you would think. If there's somebody up there watching them, they would still be up there, right? So he was supposed to get up there and just be on the lookout for this person, but he fucking falls out. He he falls asleep because he's dead ass tired because he just climbed a fucking rock face with no rope. Well, and he just, and, and carrying a bow and arrow and but just the one crash test dummy style across rapids. Yeah, exactly. But did you notice when he climbs up here and it kind of comes into play later and I, I didn't know that it would work out like this, but he has the points of those arrows at his fucking face. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And they look sharp. They do. They did. They probably were. <laughs> and he wakes up the next morning. He's woken up and you have a person you, you can't really tell like who it is. It's just a person with a gun. Yeah, and he's just peeking over the side. Yeah, he looks for a long time. So it kind of leads you, it makes you think that it's one of the people. Because if he's looking over the edge, what is he looking for? Mm. And John Voigt or Ed pulls up the bow and arrow and he's got it drawn to shoot he's him. He's got he him had, dead to rights. Yeah, he has to drop on him and he still can't do it. And this is going back to when he tried to shoot the deer. And it takes this guy actually firing at him for him to release the arrow. Yeah, and the guy only fires at him because he looks over and a dude on a cliff, <laughs> there shouldn't be anybody up there, is up there. With a bow and, and he's arrow. got a bow and arrow about to shoot him. Yeah. So he shoots at John Voigt and he misses. But, but then creeps up on him as he's dying and almost gets him. It's beautiful, though, because it's a face reveal, too, because you think it's the buddy. Yeah. But it's not. And so it's a beautiful face reveal because you shoot him and you're like, ah, you know, Ed got him. You know, fuck that asshole. And then as he walks up, you see it's not him. And then Ed realizes. And then it's like, you know, fuck. Yeah, and then, then we get to use the rope, finally. And you know, the only thing I could think of when he was lowering his body down with his rope is that that rope's got to be eating his fucking hands up. Oh, yeah. First, first, I thought it was going to go there. I did, too, because I, I thought he was going to drop it and, like, smash the face. Yeah. Yeah. Because apparently that's what happens in the book. The face gets messed up in the book to where they can't identify properly. Of this dead body. Yes. Okay. If that's not, if I read that correctly, yeah. And so I thought that was was going to happen because, like, dude, that had to be fucking eating them hands up. Yeah. 
And but it but does it snap. Yeah, when it he's climbing snap. down. Yeah. And they both tumble into the water. And I I love Bobby. Because Bobby seems to be sort of now he's the audience. Yeah. And because Bobby knows that's not the guy. But he has to like tell Ed. He's like, you got him. And and he knows. He knows. But now it's you know, now it's time to bury another body. Yeah, except this time they're going to just weigh it down and drop it in the river. Yep. But also, yeah. we 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 passed over it because we we talked about it, but we didn't even mention it. Is after he shoots the guy, he falls onto his arrows. Yeah, yeah, and because that, that's what incapacitates him for the person to walk upon him is he has an arrow that has went through his side and come out the the front of his abdomen. And he yeah. pulls that fucking arrow through. Yeah. So everything that not, he does from here on out, man, has got to be fucking excruciating. Yeah, it's not quite in the abdomen. It's a little to the right. Um, but yeah, you know, that shit's got to... Every little thing's got to hurt moving your body. Yep. And so, yeah, he... He lowered him down, and then you know, Bobby, like you said, Bobby tells him, "Like hey, you got him, you got him, you got him." And now we're going to bury this body. Well, now we got to we're going to load up Lewis, get in the canoe, and we're going to head down river and just end this fucking trip. Well, then they find Drew. They find his body, and Drew's body. Like it took me a second, I guess, for my eyes to communicate to my brain is what I was seeing. The way his yeah. arm was contorted. Yeah. That was a good fucking, like, just effect. Yeah. Because you're like, holy shit, man. The Rapids have done a number on this dude. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 looked like a one of those contortionist that you see at, like, Cirque say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And now you're, and they're like, well, we got to we gotta bury him, too. And now you've got these guys, they're coming together to come up with a story. Well, not only that. Well, here here's where the movie... You know, any type, you know, this is this is very much like a horror movie for like how an amateur watches a horror movie. Like somebody who's not really into horror because you're just screaming at the character. Like, why are you going upstairs? Yeah. This is the scene to where it's like um, Ed, calm down. Take your time and look for a bullet wound. But Ed's like, oh, they can find a bullet wound on him. Yeah. If they see, let we got to bury him. It's like, take Drew with you. Like, why are you burying him? I don't know. At this point, I just, it's almost like you're in for a dime, you're in for a dollar. Let's just fucking bury three bodies. Who cares? It's, it, it's almost like, have you ever seen A Simple Plan? Sam Raimi's movie? Mm-mm. It feels like that. I don't know if that was a book, but it, it takes. A, it feels like it takes a lot from Deliverance to where it's like you see a good character make one bad decision, and then everything else. Like they have to keep making bad decisions because they're in too deep. You know, uh, you said in for a dime, 
and for a dollar, what is it? Uh, it's and for a pound or yeah. something like that. I, I, mean, I probably saying. butchered it, but I'm just yeah. making shit up. I'm making up my own sayings. Yeah. It's cromulent, Josh. Yeah. Hang on. What is that saying? Well, while you're doing that, so I I think, too, what you see now with Ed and with Bobby, too, is you see these characters become hardened. Mm Mm-hmm. And even though there's some doubt later on with, you know, Ed towards Bobby as to how committed to the story he is. But you see, cause you see it though, when these guys are in the boat and they're making the final journey down the river, cause they're going through some rapids with, uh, Lewis just fucking laying in there. And these guys are just tackling it with no kind of communication. They just, at this point, no, like the, the journey's changed them. Yeah. And you kind of see that represented on this final trek down the river, like how it's changed them and it's kind of hardened them. Or at least that's what I took away from it. Yeah. I, <sighs> When I was watching, I took it as like these two guys are just so ready to get the fuck out of there that, you know. And I don't even know what these two guys would talk about after you go through this. You know, well, Bobby's like, like, yeah, I don't think I'll see you for a while. Yeah, he tells them that. Yeah. But they they come up with a story and. They're like, well, it's got to be right here. And he's like, well, no, we, we can't tell him that. Bobby's like, we can't tell him that. And he's like, no, no, it's got to be right here because we want to keep them no. from going upriver. Yeah. Because this one little rock that we tied around this dude's waist is going to hold him in place. That was the only thing I had with is, is like they had like one rock and it's like, I don't know that it's enough. Well, the, again, it's it's about to be all flooded. Yeah. So... So they, they get the, we come to the end of our journey down the river and, you know, they end up meeting who, who is it they meet at the very bottom? Oh, it's the kid and the uh, guy from the beginning of the movie. That's right. Cause not no, even the cops. No, it away. wasn't. It was a different was family. Oh, it was? Oh, I thought that yeah. was the same kid. Yeah. Different family. Oh, never mind. My bad. Well, anyways, they get there and then, you know, they do end up having to tell the story to the cops and, at this point, you know, the guys, it just becomes a matter of sticking to the story, but then the cop, you know, finds part of their boat and they have to adjust their story. And you had, and I don't know necessarily that the story, like us covering that part's important because we know that they're lying to the cops and we know why they're lying to the cops. But what's important is, is that Lewis is aware of it. Because mm-hmm. you have that last yeah. scene where at the hospital bed, and they tell him, like, hey, Lewis may lose his leg, but, you know, Ed whispers to him, he's like, we had to change the story. Way too loud. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Way too fucking loud. That's what I was thinking. But you see that Lewis had apparently been pretending to be knocked out, waiting for them to come. Because he, yeah. he was awake when they made the plan for the story. And he must have, in my mind, he must have heard him talking about it, like, in his room or something. Like, hey, or heard the, the cops talking to somebody and be like, hey, here's what we found, whatever. And he gives Ed a wink. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's in Burt Reynolds fashion. I mean, yeah. it's just it's so great. And then he's like, yeah, I don't remember anything. Anything after the rapids. Nothing at all. And then you see, you know, even before that, you, you see this, what is, because they're staying at like a little bed and breakfast in this 
yeah. you know, shanty town. And it, it's so beautiful because Ed finally gets there and they're having dinner and Bobby's already there and, you know, and Ed sits down and obviously like all of this is finally sort of broken. I mean, he starts crying, but also Borman sort of lingers on the town people a little bit to, and he didn't have to do that, but he does for just a little bit. And it sort of feels like the director's nod of saying, I don't know. To me, it felt like a way of saying, not everybody from small town. Yeah. Southern USA is a hillbilly. Well, I also took it as, um, because you see, because you see Bobby, he's already been there for a minute. He's already like ingrained and, Mm-hmm. And he's talking and kind of laughing around with everybody and joking and is seemingly put it behind him. And you see that for a moment, it looks like John Voight's not going to be able to do it. But then that moment passes and like they, they say something. Oh, he says something about the corn being special. Not him. And they were talking Bobby. about a cucumber. Yeah. And they were talking about a cucumber, 12, in, 12 and a half inches wide, 10 and a half inches round. And you see John Voight just kind of his character kind of become at ease and he, starts kind of smiling and seemingly trying to put it behind him also. Yeah. And yeah, that's, you get this, you get the last scene with the sheriff where they're talking. And cause he's like, you know, yeah, it's, it's his brother-in-law, his brother-in-law went missing, but when they're leaving, you know, he's like, yeah, don't ever do anything like this and don't come back around here. Yeah. The sheriff, knows that yeah, he's not dumb. Yeah. He knows something happened. He just knows they don't have anything. anything. Yeah. They just don't have anything to hold them on. Yeah. And, you know, we see, um, Ed go back home. And of course this is probably going to be with him for the rest of his life. Yeah. And he wakes up. Cause I thought the movie ended. I knew that last shot or what, I thought was the last shot was the hand coming out the water. Yeah. And before I watched this movie, what I thought was all four of them died before I started this movie. I thought all four of them died. Yeah. And the hand coming out the water was one of their hands. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I, I didn't, I don't know about like all four of them dying, but I thought that like three of the four were going to die. I had a different idea what this movie was. And so, would would you think then? Oh, is this final thoughts already? Wait, did you have something else? I didn't know. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Do you oh, think ahead. Lewis lost his leg? He had to. It was a bad I'm break, gonna... and they were in the wild for a while. Surely, some kind of like bacteria set in, and it got infected. Yeah, I'm going to say they saved the leg, but he walked with a limp the rest of his life. They saved the leg and they made a lamp out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it ended up in a different movie. It ended up with your kinfolk. <laughs> but I, I would I would think maybe he lost it. I don't know. Maybe they did, and he did end up with a limp. I mean that's perfectly I mean that's plausible also. And he couldn't become an out and he couldn't like continue to be an outdoorsman. Yeah. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, Lewis put this behind him quicker than the other two. Obviously. 
Yeah, he faked being out of it the whole way down the river after that. <laughs> yeah. Just get out some groans every now and then. Ah, ah. But Lewis took to drinking. Yeah, he did. He yeah. did take to drinking. After his finally. outdoor career was up. Yeah. And he, he couldn't be a woodsman anymore. He's like, well, I might as well be an alcoholic. Yeah. What did I think? Uh, yeah, it's very, very rarely. Um, do we cover a movie like this on our podcast? Very rarely does a movie. I think a movie is going to be one thing and it turns out to be another. Normally, um, audiences are more hip to that. And this is, goes to show you when you watch an older movie that's in your blind spot. And you're just aware of one iconic scene and you just sort of assume and guess what the movie's about. You know, this doesn't happen a lot, you know, to where you're sort of bamboozled, hoodwinked by a movie. Uh, I'm so glad that we did cover this. To me, this is Four and a half stars, and it's so close to five. It's so close to. Five. I think my original rating was five, and I know Quentin Tarantino uh, has a problem with the third act of this movie. Um, I don't get it. I, I I do like the third act. I do think it's about characters just making bad decisions because they're in too deep, mm-hmm. and. You know, it's so funny because you watch this movie and you're like, God damn, Burt Reynolds was so magnetic. It's also Ned Beatty's first starring movie. Now, comic book fans will know him as Lex Luthor's um, henchman or sidekick in the Superman movies. The Richard Donner ones. But John Voight is so good in this as well. And here's a double feature for somebody to to see like prime John Voight. Watch the 1969 movie Midnight Cowboy with him and Dustin Hoffman. Plays a completely different character. And then watch this one. I mean, John Voight was, I mean, he was shooting threes blindfolded at this point in his career. Yeah, I, I thought he did a really good job here too. Yeah. Um like I said, four and a half stars. If I have to give the MVP to anyone and it could go to Beatty Reynolds or Voight, I'm going to give it to Borman because or I, should, I would give it to the DP, but this movie, like I said, it, when it gets into second gear, I mean it, you know, you, you're not, watching the clock at all and yeah yeah i loved it i loved it yeah i enjoyed it also um probably not as much as you did i was gonna say give it four stars but it um it does what you want a movie to do you know you you get that story and when you're done watching it you're not left with a bunch of questions like you you feel satisfied it's like having a nice meal hmm you know, you get your appetizer, your main course and dessert, and you, you walk away feeling good about yourself. Now, obviously, it's not a feel-good movie, so <laughs> wait, to speak. Wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. 
You can eat appetizers, a meal, and then dessert and feel good well, about I yourself. Feel good, feel good about the meal, not necessarily yourself, but you feel good about okay. the meal. And here you watch this movie and you feel you feel you know good that you watched a quality movie. Like it's not poorly made, it's not bad, it's not cliched. All the things that happen to movies sometimes. It avoided those things, and it's got a nice, tight story and a 109-minute runtime, and you get everything you need from it. Um, I think that uh, all the actors did a fine job, but like you said, John Voight, because I'd never really seen a lot of any, a lot of John Voight stuff, and I think I've just seen like some of his later stuff. To where Anaconda. He, he kind of uh, gets into the Al Pacino kind of phase where, you know, Al Pacino, you know, is a capable actor and has done some really great films, but then some of the stuff at the very end, like some of his newer stuff is just him playing Al Pacino or Jack Nicholson playing Jack Nicholson. And they're no longer playing characters anymore. They're just playing themselves. And they're like, and they're such you know big stars or whatever. They can get away with that shit. So yeah, John Voight did a fantastic job. Burt Reynolds did a fantastic job. I would say for me, the MVP would be, uh, the cinematography. Um, say the name again for me. No, I want you to say it. I've mispronounced already a couple of words here. Sigmund. But yeah, I, it was a beautifully shot film. I um, I enjoyed it. And yeah, I'm glad we covered it too. It was not what I thought it was going to be, which is, you know, that's nice when you get like a pleasant surprise. The one thing I, I, I did notice this about the mu- uh, movie too, and I'm sure you noticed it too. There's not a lot of score other than like a few moments. And then Couldn't the dueling banjo, dueling banjo song. Yeah, the movie was, they tried to kill it with cost-cutting measures. Before we get out of here, uh, hang on. Sweet Jesus. I'm just going to read off uh, Sigmund's uh, credits here, okay? Sure. Okay, he does Deliverance at 72. I'm just going to start there. Now, there's some movies in here that we should know, but I'm not going to list those. Then he does Sugarland Express. And here we go. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, The Deer Hunter, um, Heaven's Gate, Blowout, uh, The River, Real Genius, one of my personal favorites, The Witches of Eastwick, Fat Man and Little Boy. I mean, he's just. You forgot Black Dahlia. I was going up. Assassins, Ghost in the Darkness. I mean, we could just cover this dude's career. He worked with some. He worked with Spielberg, De Palma. Yeah, De Palma, the Black Dahlia. I mean, holy shit. You go, Sigmund. And, and why don't you go ahead and tell the country of Hungary how you can't pronounce any of their people's names? Yeah, I'm sorry. It is what it is. Offend an entire nation. Why don't you? (laughs) All right. So the next movie we're going to cover is going to be Wolf Creek. Because. Yeah, because you make up rules as you go. You like to play Calvin Ball on this fucking podcast. No, actually, I always do it this way. It's a back and forth. That way, you, you know. I want you to feel like you got something to look forward to. So you still got another one of your picks coming up. No, chronologically, it's better to see the evolution of, well, this isn't even a hillbilly revenge movie. So 
Yeah, so you you were wrong right off the jump. It's just just a movie with hillbillies in it. But yeah, the next movie we're going to cover is going to be Wolf Creek, and then we're going to do Whiskey Mountain, and that's going to be the big finale on this little block. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen Deliverance, check it out. If you had reservations about seeing it because you thought it was what we thought, then yeah, it's not. So definitely, you know, look at it, watch it, enjoy it, and it's got one of the best movie posters. Oh, that's oh, what. Yeah, I was going to ask it you about is that. Beautiful. Now, I will say this about the movie poster, though. They make that shit look like an ocean and not a river. <coughs> well, it's an ocean of emotions. Are you looking, you talking about the poster where it's got the shotgun coming out of the water in the two hands? No. Okay, I'm looking at the one. <coughs> go to IMDb. Well, you go to Wikipedia then so you can see which one I'm talking about. Man, I'm on Wikipedia so much and I feel so bad I should give them money. I go to Wikipedia 20 times a day. Yet to give them any money. Okay, yeah, I see the poster you're talking about where it looks like they're canoeing out of the eye. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. All right, any uh, anything before we check out? Uh, no. Won't you do the honors and tell people? All right. So obviously, if you're listening to this, you know where you can find us. <laughs> no, give them your home address. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, or no, wait, Audible's books. Never mind, not Audible. Uh, we're on Amazon Music. We're on like all the major platforms. You can find us on there. Also, check out our Instagram page. Um, <laughs> very unreasonable things. We have a Twitter. It's a VUT podcast. And then we have a Facebook page. You know, if, if you've got like ideas for movies for us to cover, or if you've got like ideas for like little blocks for us to do. Let us know. We're always up open for suggestions, but we appreciate everybody listening and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>